Welcome to Keystone Education Radio, the podcast for all things focused on education in Pennsylvania. Now here's your host, Nathan Maines. In an effort to advance the conversation surrounding equity in public education, PSBA's governing board recently adopted an equity statement. While our member districts aren't required to adopt similar equity statements, we certainly would welcome the use of PSBA's statement as their own. As part of the association's plan to provide resources for schools as they deal with issues of equity, PSBA is working to develop training webinars, white papers, and more tools related to educational equity. To accomplish those goals and to serve as a knowledgeable resource on equity for our members, we've been fortunate to add to the PSBA team the knowledge and expertise of Dr. Heather Bennett Esquire, who now serves as our Director of Equity Services. Heather, welcome. Hello. So introduce yourself and and tell the folks listening in on the podcast a little bit about your background and and why you came to PSBA. Okay, well, you know, I was born and bred in this state. So I was born and bred in Philadelphia area, grew up in Mount Airy, a neighborhood in Philadelphia. And I went to school in Cheltenham, which is a suburb right outside of Philadelphia. I was a high school social studies teacher in Fulton County, Georgia. After teaching, I went to law school at Penn State Law, and I obtained my PhD in education leadership at Penn State as well. I am a huge Nittany Lion. How I came to PSBA is a testament to just, I believe, working your passion. Um, At Penn State, I was a part of the Pennsylvania Educational Equity Project, or better known as PEEP, um, which is a graduate student-run organization where we conduct research and produce scholarship aimed at influencing policymakers, educators, and citizens on issues related to educational equity. And through that experience, when the, we were in the midst of conducting um, an edited volume on research related to restorative justice, um, school segregation, teacher diversity, alternative education programs, and, and so much more, that we had the opportunity to work with PSBA on promoting some of our research. And through that relationship, Nathan indicated that he was creating um, a director of equity position and I was able to step in and I see myself as an educator, advocate, and researcher and I find that I get to do all three um, in this space and so I'm pretty humbled and grateful and excited about this opportunity. So before we go much further Mm -hmm. we got to talk about definitions here. Yeah. So equity truly uh, you know has become this buzzword that everybody tosses around mm-hmm. I think a little too easily now yep. um, and, and we talk about equity but I hear people maybe interchange equality mm-hmm. into equity and they're really two different concepts and I think there's two different definitions help me understand how you look at equity how you define that versus equality and how it really applies to Pennsylvania public schools. Okay. So just to just get down and dirty with the definition, equality is exactly what it is. It's treating all people the same. It's treating, and for the context of education, it's treating all children the same. Um, It's a belief that if we give students the same tools, they will be successful on on an equal level, on the same level. Um, But we know that the education system did not and does not operate equally. Um, The compounded inequality and discrimination that existed for generations against poor students, women, students of color, immigrants, English language learners, LGBTQIA plus students, religious minorities, special education students, and others. We know that uh, students are going to school um, in communities that do not have the same resources and opportunities as other um, districts across the street from them. And between these distinct inequities and inequalities that we've seen in, in, in 
in schools and the delivery of education between students, we see this achievement and opportunity gap. And so equity, what it does, it's saying that it recognizes that our students are different. It's saying that our children are coming into our classrooms with different backgrounds, unique learning styles, individualized experiences, and contexts that, ex- that pretty much affects how and what they learn. Equity is the fair and just distribution of resources based upon individual students' needs and context, where students who need the most are given more so that all children have ac- access to an equal and high-quality education. This also means eliminating institutional and systemic barriers that have kept students from accessing and obtaining educational opportunities. So I guess just in a nutshell, equality is treating kids the same, equity is recognizing that there are that our kids are different, that there are contexts there are histories involved, there are experience involved, that we need to make sure that we are connecting the resources and targeting them based upon the needs of our kids instead of real instead of treating them the same. So I'm gonna. Yeah. Uh, that's great. So I'm gonna put you on the spot a little yeah. bit. And, you know, <laughs> you're not long in this position yet. You've, you've been kind of building, uh, building yeah. a plane as we fly it, which yeah. is always a little scary. But when you think about where we are right now, organizationally, where we want to provide um, equity support, equity services out to school districts, mm-hmm. can you give me a couple of examples of how those schools might benefit? from addressing equity issues and and certainly as that ties back into what we're going to try and do to help. So I think what we need to understand at the heart of this that equity is a framework. It is um, it should be embedded in every aspect of um, of our interaction with students, communities, and families. And so to do this work well whatever programs that we have to offer is going to really show districts and provide them the tools and the resources to deal with the exact needs of our students. And so from there, I think the best way to kind of show what the benefits of what equity equity framework can look like is really addressing uh, the needs of our students. And I I think of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs when I think about this. Uh, Just know that if our students' needs aren't being met, then we cannot close the achievement gap that exists between student groups. So let's just start off with the basic. The basic are physiological needs. We know from research that children's basic needs aren't met, such as access to food, clothing, and shelter. They will not perform well in schools. So first question for schools are, what are the conditions affecting your students and communities? Are your children being fed, clothed, and housed? Are they homeless? This requires schools to look at how housing, environmental conditions, and others affect student achievement. The next step is safety. Do our children feel safe in schools? Do they feel physically and emotionally safe in these spaces? And so this has come up a lot with the aftermath of the Parkland shooting, bringing up huge safety and security concerns in schools, but this also relates to trauma. How students' negative experiences at home, in the community, or even at school may result in the behavior and academic concerns. So how schools become a safe haven for all children is a task that requires district personnel such as teachers, counselors, nurses, and social workers to stand in the gap. The next need I think we need to consider when we think about equity is social belonging. Do children feel like they belong? This relates to how education stakeholders in the education system treat students on the basis of their race, 
their class, their, their socioeconomic status, their sexual orientation, their English ability, and a lot more other factors. Do children feel like they are being shunned by the school system? Or are their individual talents, unique abilities, cultural identities are being embraced and cultivated? Are we included, including other community stories in the curriculum? Are educators dealing with their own biases and how they address or understand students? And then we're also dealing with esteem. Do our children feel respected? Do parents feel like they are equal partners in the education of their children? Inequities in the education system can lead to certain students and their families feeling like they are inferior because they have been ignored or treated like they don't matter. How schools interact, include, and welcome student and family voices will allow room for meaningful transformation and engagement and achievement. And then I think the last bit of the need space is self-actualization. Are we creating an environment where students are reaching their highest potential? How are we allocating resources, programming, and professional development that will make sure that our kids are becoming whoever they want to become? I think we need to under, understand that there's a difference between equal access, um, equitable access and equitable outcomes. And providing the means to make sure that all children have access is great, but what does those actual means mean in the end. Are children actually getting out? Are they becoming the scholars they want to be? Are they becoming the doctors? Are they becoming the plumbers? Are they becoming whoever they want to be in life? Are we actually doing that in our schools? And so I guess just going back and forth just a little bit about what this whole point, what equity does. Equity is important because we're really dealing with the unique and distinct needs from their basic needs to their safety needs to their belonging needs to their self-esteem and, and, and in the end making sure that they believe that they can achieve whatever they want to achieve in schools. And that is why equity needs to be at the framework and the forefront of our education system today. That's, that's phenomenal. I mean, yeah. Switch gears with me a little yeah. bit, though. L look at it from the other side. You've had a chance, I know already, in, in your short time with PSBA, <laughs> to talk to a lot of districts around the state. Um, with, with different districts, I know from our conversations before this, um, in different places. But any, any common threads, any, anything that jumps out as you're hearing districts say, wow, you know, Heather, we need this, or this is the challenge that we're facing on the equity front. Are you, are you finding anything that kind of rises to the top, if you will, in terms of uh, many yeah. districts having the same conversation on equity? Well, I have to say this, the number one thing, like I would say like the equity con conversation is inequitable funding in schools. Um, in Pennsylvania, we have 500 school districts and depending on your zip code determines the educational experience resources and opportunities for our students. And that's not necessarily fair, because if you're coming from a really highly affluent district with high property taxes, they're able to provide so much more compared to a district that cannot. They're poor, they don't have the, the taxes, the tax base, to be able to provide the same means as um, the other students. So when I said earlier about the difference between equity and equality, we're in that space alone, you start to see where we've been unequal, unequal in the uh, delivery of education. And so state funding that is equitable would allow districts and schools who have the least to get more. Um, but I have to say this, I think we get stuck there. Um, 
equitable funding is the is one step and is an important step, but how districts utilize the funding and the resources that they already have or will have if we do deal proactively with this issue um, matters as well. What are the concerns and the issues going on in your community? How can you utilize the resources that are going to make sure that the students' needs are being met? Um, and that's a hard conversation to have. And I think really getting an understanding of what their district and their students need specifically and how they utilize what they already have to be effective is going to be really important in the short run. In the long run, we're hoping to get um, to deal with this inequitable funding issue, but in the short term, we need to make sure that students are getting exactly what they need right now. Um, another issue, I think, is the teacher pipeline. How so? Uh, we are having students are not going into the teaching profession as they were once before. And the the data and the research says that an effective teacher is the most important factor to student achievement. So if without teachers, we cannot adequately educate our kids. And so this is an issue that it's felt in most schools in Pennsylvania, but it's most seen in um, lower socioeconomic status schools and high minority schools. And then the subject matters that we are lacking in are special education, ELL, and STEM subject matters. And so if we don't get a grasp of this now, then we are really going to have a huge problem in um, really just being effective in in improving the educational space and opportunities for our students. Um, But even let's even go further than that. There is a gap between our teachers' demographic makeup compared to our students' makeup. In Pennsylvania, 33.5% of our students are students of color, while our teachers are just 5.5%. So a huge disparity in terms of of reflecting a student population, but then an overarching problem with even getting anybody into the pipeline, let alone people, if I hear you correctly, let alone teachers coming into the pipeline that have uh, an interest in one of those areas that you outlined as a a more of a specialty pursuit. So we've got maybe uh, multiple problems at multiple levels, um, all stemming from this this pipeline issue. Absolutely. And I think this is a concern. This is going to have a short-term solution, but I think this is going to be really a long-term solution. How do we increase the numbers of students who want to be educators? Um, Especially when when we're having, when teaching in schools and public schools have had, been getting beat up sometimes. And I think that that we need to to really have these hard questions, that we need to inspire students to want to be educators, and we need to, to really push the needle and think creatively of how we can increase these numbers. And a lot of districts have been thinking about these things. Um, I mean, but there's so many other issues. I mean, depending on where you are geographically in the state, if you're um, in rural districts, um, you're having issues. Access to technology is a huge concern. Um, you have a lot of districts are having issues of access to rigorous courses providing a culturally relevant educational experience for students. We have social emotional learning, um, trauma. There are so many equity concerns, but I guess the top two in my mind were the inequitable funding and the teaching pipeline. So I know we're, we're yeah. running short on time, but you know, all this feeds into yeah. uh, a lot to be done. <laughs> so uh, no, no shortness of, uh, of, of things that you have to yeah. tackle. But any you want to give me any uh, indications of kind of one or two of the the big things that you're going to be working on over the next, let's say, six months to a year? 
There's so much going on. Okay. Um, so we're creating an equity task force where we're trying to get uh, district leaders who are committed to equity to kind of come together and have this conversation of how do we um, embed equity into the framework of, of Pennsylvania's education. We have a couple white papers and research on what is equity, creating a best practices overview. How have districts in our state been doing, uh, how have they been doing this work? Sure. What were their pitfalls? What are their successes because here's the thing we uh, districts are thinking about it from a very isolated perspective this is my district these are my issues and concerns but there are so many districts here that are tackling these issues and and it would be great if we can help them to see how how other people have been dealing with this and 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 show that you're not alone in this work hopefully we're going to have an equity summit um, coming up as well so um, stay tuned for that and uh, yeah there's there's a lot going on and I have a lot in my mind of what I want to do, and I know I can't do everything. No. So we're slowly moving the needle, and I'm really excited to be a part of this. Well, and of course, you know, oh. there's, a, there's a conversation on my PSBA, yes. uh, our, our member discussion areas mm-hmm. that people can join in, and you're moderating that discussion, aren't yep. you? Absolutely. So please check that out. I mean, equity is a moving needle. It's a movement. And so we need as many voices to be a part of this as possible. So I'm really excited to, you know, hear what you have to say on my PSBA, check out the equity discussions. And we're going to be talking about various issues um, that um, that is important to you. And if I can provide any sources, resources or help in that matter, I'm just um, I'm there. This, I'm passionate about this stuff, as you can probably see. I get loud, um, <laughs> and I, I, I really, really want to hear from you about your experiences. So, so Heather, thank you for taking time with with everything going on. Appreciate you uh, sitting down, having a conversation on some of the early work <laughs> that you're that you're handling for PSBA yeah. on the equity front. And certainly, uh, if you're interested in reading the full text of the equity statement that PSBA's governing board passed, it can be found in the About PSBA section at PSBA.org. We have links there for Keystone Education Radio's website. Uh, members with questions about the association's equity statement or the resources that we've been discussing or educational equity in their schools, I would encourage you to reach out to Dr. Heather Bennett. She is, again, our Director of Equity Services at PSBA, heather.bennett at psba.org. Heather, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Next up, Michael Fashionetto and I discuss more about equity. Many Keystone Education Radio shows share success stories, the centerpiece of the Success Starts Here campaign. They are real stories about students, teachers, administrators, parents, and others who are making our schools great every day. The backpack program here at Williamsport High School, we're in our second year of existence. Each Thursday or Friday, we hand out backpacks to uh, any student that fills out a simple application process. Do you have a success story of your own? Share it with us at successstartshere.org. My success starts here. We're back and we're talking about equity, but from a hands-on perspective of one district that has been focusing on equity in real-world applications. We're fortunate to be joined uh, today by Mike Facinetto. He's PSBA's current president. Uh, he's president and a school director from the Bethlehem Area School District. Mike, welcome. Thanks, Nathan. The word equity has really become kind of a buzzword over the last uh, couple of years, we'll say, when, when you talk about educational equity. Yet, when you look at what Bethlehem has done, you guys really began looking at, looking at equity quite a number of years ago, like around 2015, when you created the, the District Excellence Through Equity Subcommittees. 
when you look back at it, Mike, why then, what kind of triggered that in, in 2015? Uh, what made it clear to you all that it was time for Bethlehem Area Schools to, to address equity? Sure. Well, the process did begin in the spring of 2015, and that's when we first, uh, Dr. Roy and Dr. Silva, our superintendent and assistant superintendent, they unveiled the Bethlehem Area School District Roadmap 3.0. Um, people laugh at that. Yes, we do have a roadmap, um, and, and Dr. Roy and Dr. Silva started with that their very first year, and the roadmap kind of shows what we care about, what we value, and how we're going to get there, and it lays out kind of the path that the district has been taking step by step. And that particular version of the roadmap included this ambitious goal uh, where they stated that we would eliminate race and family income as predictors of school success by guaranteeing equitable access to opportunities to learn for all students. Um, so that was a pretty bold statement at the time and, and still is. Uh, and he asked why then? What made it the right time to launch something like that? And as a district, we had just approved as a board and a district full-day kindergarten for the upcoming 2015-16 school year. To that point, we had had about 12 sections or so, so we needed to add another 20. We have 16 elementary schools, so to really have it across the district, it was a big launch. Wow. So we jumped into that for the 15-16 school year. We were also taking the first steps in research and piloting a new K to second grade reading program for our Reading by Third Grade initiative, which we're in the middle of now. So we were already addressing two of the major equity issues when it came to the, the lower elementary levels. Uh, a lot of parents have their kids in pre-K and they can afford to pay for that, and then some can't. So we have kids coming in at all different aspects of, of ability and knowledge when they start kindergarten. So we were already addressing those two issues, and we felt that it was time to really just draw a line in the sand and, and practice what we preach when we say we're going to educate all students. So we realized there was some gaps. It was not just enough to bring kids in, but to ensure that each child had access to all the programs that the school district had to offer and public education has to offer. So that's really what kind of made us decide it was now or never. Okay. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you know, a lot of things going on back then with, with the roadmap. Uh, but you guys really, it seems, saw educational equity as, as uh, an overlay that would really affect every other area of the district and the improvements and the enhancements that Dr. Roy and Dr. Silver wanted to make. So uh, the timing was really such. You, it, it wasn't an initiative as much as an overarching maybe theme or, or um, um, uh, effort that had to be made in order to achieve all the district's goals. Am I, am I kind of getting that right? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, the, the kind of overarching administrative theme for the 15-16 school year became excellence through equity. And that was with all the administrators, the teachers, parents, everybody was on board. And they kind of knew where we were headed because we had all these great programs and we had lots of opportunities, but we just simply had students who could not partake in those opportunities because of whether it was their socioeconomic background, their the parent situation, family makeup, transportation, all these things that kind of played into why a student couldn't participate in something that maybe other students had opportunities for. So th this was the, the logical next step for us. So a lot of people are probably asking, okay, it sounds great. You've got a roadmap. You've got a, a theme for the school year. You've got some broad goals that you're, you're going for. But, you know, where the rubber meets the road is how do you, how do you get it done? And, and I mentioned earlier that you had established some subcommittees. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what were those subcommittees? What were they charged with doing? Who who did you look for in terms of folks to serve on those subcommittees? Uh, you know how did, how did the the process really work? Sure, uh, the subcommittees and prior to this, we had the superintendent going back before Dr. Roy even. We had a, a diversity committee uh, that would meet quarterly or so with the superintendent. That was folks from the community and within the district that would talk about the needs of. At that time, they called it you know minority students. We had an office of minority affairs and really some some data terminology. But so we it kind of 
grew out of that. And the subcommittees consisted of district stakeholders, from principals to teachers to our director of student services, special ed director, all kind of the, the usual suspects from in, inside the district. But then we looked to community stakeholders. We looked to our local NAACP, our local Hispanic Center, the United Way, who does so much with communities and schools for us, some of the local colleges and universities that are in the area, business leaders, Chamber of Commerce. So we really brought everybody together because if we were going to really make this plan successful, we needed to find a way to fund it. Um, and certainly having community partners step up where the budget dollars lacked was going to be helpful. So we wanted everybody on board on the same page. And these subcommittees, they sat down, they met through the course of the year, and they really decided that they were going to recommend equity-enhancing action plans, and they, they came back with five key areas, and that was equity research and data, core learning and stretch learning, which was kind of the academic side of the things, student engagement and personal skill development, that was our student services, uh, extracurriculars, athletics, how can we get kids involved there that are not, professional development for the staff, not only teachers but administrators, so they could kind of speak the equity language that we were trying to push forward, and then parent engagement, because parents always kind of are the last ones on the list, but really one of the most important players in, in the game of public education. So each of these subcommittees they recommended specific action plans they came with, and they recommended that to, I had mentioned, Diversity Committee earlier. That was rebranded as the Superintendent's Task Force on Equity and Excellence. And that was part of the final Bethlehem Area School District Excellence Plan. So the Superintendent's Task Force, which again was, had that large cross-section of community and district involvement, they reviewed, they evaluated all the action plans somewhere around the March-April of 2016. And the completed plan, which we officially call the Excellence to Equity Plan, was presented and that was reviewed and approved by the school board in May of 16, so we were ready to go for the 2016-17 school year. Okay. So the whole process, you know, it, it was no small lift. It took well over a year before we even launched with the, the task force and the subcommittees. There was a lot of planning that went in prior to that. Uh, but it, it took, well, like I say, it was well over a year until we got there because we knew if we wanted to get where we were going, we wanted to do it right, we didn't want to kind of go in and make it up as we go. So right. there was a lot, of, a lot of planning ahead of time. So you talk about you really had things teed up with all of that, that pre-work uh, for the 16-17 school year. It was really, it sounds like, the, the launch. Uh, what have you seen in terms of, of being able to measure any kind of positive outcomes so far? and talk a little bit about some of the hurdles that you've certainly come up against, I'm sure, since the launch. Sure. So one of the biggest hurdles, of course, I think I touched on a little bit, was money. How are we going to find budget dollars right. to pay for it? We certainly don't have you know, extra money like most districts every year. Uh, the subcommittees came back. They had solid recommendations, but a lot of the things needed to find a home in the budget. So we were doing as much as we, we could at that point, I think, financially within the budget. We had to get creative going forward. Uh, but that's where we really leveraged the local community and the business leaders to support the plan. Um, how can we, we have St. Luke's, which is a large health network in the area, how can we leverage them to have some community health programs for kids, kids who don't go to the doctor on a regular basis, kids who don't see a dentist, kids who need glasses, how can we really have them come in? And we have these really unique, and this started before the equity plan, but it kind of ramped up with that. We have these little motor homes that come a couple times a year to the school, and they call it the dental van or the vision van, and, and kids who need it who are identified by the you know, the psychologists or the guidance counselors, they can go out, they can get health checkups or get glasses, things like that. Um, and that was just one aspect. But, then, you know, we really realized that equity is really a beast when you sit back and evaluate what you do. It touches every aspect of the district, every part of the district. It's like a tax on everything. 
perfect example where we've had great success, I think, is with our extracurriculars. We have a great music program. The past few years, attendees at the PSBA conference have seen our bands, the Liberty Grenadiers with the bagpipes. I don't know any other bagpipes um, in a high school band in this area. We have the Freedom Fife and Drum Corps. Uh, we have great spring musicals with our theater departments, chorus, jazz, all those things. But how does the student who doesn't have a ride to school at 7 o'clock in the morning in August participate in the band when summer band starts? Or how do they get to football practice in the summer as well? How do they stay till 8 o'clock at night when they have these things if they don't have a ride home? Right. Uh, and often we assume, well, the parents should pick them up. We hear that a lot from the community. You're spending my money to do the job of what parents should do. But the fact is we have parents that work two or three jobs and just can't get there. Or we have kids who come from broken homes. And it's not the student's fault. So how can we get them to participate? So last year in the budget, we supported the purchase of these two vans, one at each high school, the typical 15-passenger vans, because you don't need a CDL to drive them. We could have the band directors, we could have the coaches, we could have anybody involved with the athletic department of the school in the summer, or even after hours, run around to a couple strategic places that we know their kids can go to and say, if you can walk to here, we'll pick you up. So we can now bring those kids to school when there was no busing, because either it's prior to the school year or it's late at night. Okay. Uh, another thing we did is we have an after-school bus run that kind of goes, you know, around 4 o'clock or so. We used to have two, one that even went later, but the budget kind of cut that back about 10 years ago, and we haven't been able to bring it back yet. But that's something else that's on the list. How can we just provide transportation to get kids to school to participate in all those things that don't occur between, the you know, 7.30 to 2.30 high school school day? So I think the vans have been a great success, a good first step. Um and that, that's kind of really where we're going, is how do we get kids to be able to participate in the activities that if you take the bus to school and take it home, you're not there for? How do, can we support students who need to pay that fee to for whatever club that has a field trip or something like that? I mean, the PTOs do a lot, but there's only so much. So that, that's been some of the focused area of trying to get more sponsorships for these type of things, and okay. I think we've been pretty successful, and the community's really stepped up. So... Uh, Districts that, that are listening into our conversation uh, that aren't as far along, certainly you guys are in a, a continuation, if you will, of, of the work, and it sounds like there's, there's a lot more to go. It's an ongoing effort. But what advice would you have for districts that are kind of at the front end of where you were all the way back in 2015 and kind of scratching their heads and saying, well, how do we tackle this? How do we get started? What advice do you have for, for schools that are just dipping their toe in, in kind of this issue for the first time? Sure, and, and absolutely it's to know that they're, they're not out there alone. Through PSBA now, we have a great resource in Heather Bennett, who they just heard from, uh, and certainly can reach out to her. And there's also other districts besides Bethlehem, obviously, that have done this and done it with pretty good success. So reach out to them, you know, have, have superintendents talk, have board members talk, find what the best practices are and the things that are working. You know, don't reinvent the wheel, as they say. There's a lot of good data out there, and there's a lot of good practices that are in place. But the best advice that I have, and I think it's vital to everyone, and that's everyone from the superintendent down to the, the parent, is that you have to really believe in this. And if you don't, you have to believe in equity and why it's important before you start a journey, because it's not easy, it's not cheap, it's, it's by no means a, a quick fix. But if you believe, you know, in your heart that it's the right thing to do, and I certainly believe that it is, then ultimately you're going to be successful and you'll find a way to make it work. Mike, thanks for sharing your experience. I appreciate it. Sure. Thank you, Nathan. You can read more about equity in Pennsylvania public schools in the PSBA Bulletin magazine, our November-December 2017 issue, which is available to all members at PSBA.org. And just to reiterate, the full text of PSBA's equity statement is found in the About PSBA section at PSBA.org. Links are also provided on the Keystone Education Radio website. 
Members with questions about the association's equity statement, equity resources, or educational equity in their schools are encouraged to reach out to Dr. Heather Bennett, our PSBA Director of Equity Services. Her email address is heather.bennett at psba.org. Thanks for listening to Keystone Education Radio. The views and opinions expressed on the Keystone Education Radio podcast are solely the views and opinions of our guests and do not reflect the views and opinions of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. Thank you.